You are listening to the Coming Up for Air podcast hosted by Air Moms Lori McDougall and Annie Highwater. This podcast is sponsored by alliesinrecovery.net. Coming Up for Air brings together two wonderful people, both of whose adult sons are in recovery from opiate addiction. Annie Highwater and Lori McDougall have been through years of their loved one's active addiction. They have come to understand the direct link between taking care of yourself and being able to help your loved one. During these conversations, Lori and Annie address the questions and concerns brought up by Allies and Recovery members. And now, coming up for air with Lori McDougall and Annie Highwater. Hi, this is Lori McDougall on Coming Up for Air. Annie and I have had a brief break, although I know most of our listeners don't know that, but uh, we haven't been recording for the past couple of weeks. We had a little bit of time off, but it's good to be back. Um, So hi, Annie. How are you doing? I've missed you. Hi, good. I've missed you too. Um, And it is the holiday season, so we are going to kind of get into what that might be like for somebody who deals with stress or substance use disorder or alcoholism or dysfunction or tension or anything that makes the holidays tense or stressful. Agreed. Agreed. And boy... (laughs) The holidays can really add on a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and a lot of angst. They really can. And it really doesn't matter what tradition or days you observe. They can be really pretty triggering and traumatic. Yeah, I, I agree. Although I do, um, I do have to say that I do feel that this time of the year is probably the worst. Maybe because I also live in the Northeast. So, so not only do we have this... Um, and, and this, of course, is true across the country, but we have this concentration of holidays, right? It seems like we go from, um, we have like these small holidays in September, then October, we have another small holiday, but then we have Halloween, then we're thrust into Thanksgiving, then we're thrust into, you know, Christmas, then there's New Year's Eve, there's Hanukkah, there's, you know, there's Kwanzaa, but we're celebrating, 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 and we're also here in the Northeast, and I'm sure it's the same in Ohio where, where you are, but... It gets so dark here so much earlier. And so that seasonal effect, uh, uh, what do they call it? Seasonal affect disorder? Yes, it's sad. And I think it does depend on where you are. Just interestingly enough, had a woman from Germany tell me last night how difficult it is in, in her area that she's from over there because for three days over Christmas, everything shuts down, all the stores and everything. And if you are alone, you are alone in the silence. And she had made the point. Mm -hmm. So it's terrible if you're alone and lonely. And then someone else said it can be pretty terrible if you're not alone too. So I think it all just depends on where you are and how things are going. And truthfully, look at it. Right. I agree. Yep. So let's um, get into it. I think there's some things to manage. I have just a few areas, but um, I don't know if you want to start or you'd like me to. It's up to you. Well, why don't you go ahead and get started? I have a couple of things I'd like to cover, and um, I'll just kind of jump in when uh, we overlap and any questions that I might have, and you do the same. Okay. Well, I just have four things that that I've noticed from my own experiences, as well as being in the rooms, that you tend to manage and bear up under when it comes to the holiday season. One of them is nostalgia. Um, looking back. And the definition is actually to excessively, in a sentimental way, yearn for a return to or 
of some past period of irrecoverable condition. It's an irrecoverable condition. So it's looking back with a fondness for the past. And I think that sometimes we can make the holidays more difficult if we believed they have to be a certain way. They have to go a certain way because they were a certain way. You know, it's funny because that's actually the first thing that I wrote down is, um, is basically managing expectations, right? Because you have, we have this expectation that the holidays are supposed to go a particular way. And, and I have to tell you, Annie, this is something that I am extremely guilty of. Not only looking at it as like this nostalgic thing, but like trying to recreate what it was like when I was younger, but also nostalgic in the sense that I've always had a particular picture of, um, so I celebrate Christmas, but I always had a particular picture in my head about what Christmas is supposed to be like, kind of like a Norman Rockwell painting. Yeah, I always say that you expect it to be like Norman Rockwell and ours ends up being like Christmas vacation with everyone, with Cousin Eddie. Right, And, and and it never is. It never is. It never is. Sometimes it's not as bad as you think, and sometimes it's never as good as you think. It's those expectations, and that was another category, and we can honestly blend the two. Expectations can assault you. I had written down a quote that I love that said, peace came when I realized I didn't have to experience life the way I had been told to. Right. The way you'd been programmed to, the way you'd believed it had to be. When you let go of that and let go of those expectations, because we're going to have expectations, that's what hope kind of is. But it's how big we let them become and how fixed we are on their outcomes that causes the pain. Right. I totally agree. And, and I can honestly say that I am... I am definitely guilty of this. And I, and I, and not just, I mean, this is even before substance use disorder became a part of my life. I really had a very particular picture about what I wanted for Christmas. But the problem is, is that the characters involved didn't always follow right, or do yeah. what I wanted them to do or, you know, things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. And I have had to learn over the years to go ahead and, okay, let it go, let it go. And if things don't go perfectly, really, does it ruin the Christmas? Well, it only ruins the Christmas if I let it. That's true. Yeah, because we are our own worst enemy when it comes to that. And, you know, I come from just a chaotic household, and that's all in my book. We don't always have to go into all of our details because our dynamics are always the same. Our details kind of, we get lost in the shuffle of those. But when we were coming up, we never knew what Christmases were going to be like. And sometimes we went without a lot of things, and sometimes they were really special. Sometimes we didn't have anything, but they were special anyway. And time and togetherness seemed to be more overlapping than what we got. I remember somebody telling me, you, you, you barely remember what you get, but you always remember what you did, who you got on the floor and played right. games with and the, those things. So right. I didn't have too big of expectations. I, I was sick a lot growing up and I was sick a lot over holidays. And for some reason, I always remembered that as really sweet because I got to have a bed made on the couch and I got lots of attention. And I'm really thankful I didn't kind of become one of those people that's sick all the time because it represents attention to me because I know... <laughs> that can develop. But I really, um, I really feel it kind of I got a pass in the expectation department because I come from such unpredictable situations. But I do understand becoming an adult and thinking, I'm going to create it this way and it will be this way. And then being disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's me. (laughs) Right. 
Um, and that moves right into exaggerations of how it should be or of how other lives look. And if you think about it, people give you their highlight reel, especially social media plays into that a lot. I know when there's been holidays that my heart is throbbing with a situation, you know, my son's out of state and absent, or I've certainly had holidays that I spent alone and my family spent together. And because of conflict, I, I had to be on the sidelines alone and didn't feel sorry for myself. It was just how it had to be. And seeing things on social media can absolutely make you feel like your life is so much worse than it is or someone else's is so much better. I think exaggerations really can, really can amplify the reality of how it is. Right, right. And, and I agree with you. You know, you're right. On social media, we, we see and hear really a lot of the good stuff. We don't hear a lot of the angst and the difficult times that people are going through, you know, for whatever reason. It could be they're too ashamed, right. they're too embarrassed, you know, or, or really, do you want the whole world to know? And, you know, another thing I was going to say about exaggerations, you're, and you're right, um, somebody had said to me recently that we exaggerate how it was because sometimes we didn't really know when it was holidays. She was saying how when she grew up, she had no idea that she had an uncle, this, this nurse I was talking to, she said, I had no idea my uncle was in and out of my family's life and he had a terrible, violent, alcoholic problem because it was, you know, I was a kid at the kids' table. So we have this exaggerated memory of how it should be and, and quite possibly it wasn't even really that way. Right, right. All the adults in the room were probably under a tremendous amount of right. stress, and, you know, and trying and struggling to deal with this. We didn't have really any idea what the adults' lives were truly like because they typically tended to shield the kids from what was going on in the adult situations. Our family had a child's ta children's table and adult table. So our memories are sometimes exaggerated or not super clear. Right. And also, I, you know, I think this idea, this concept of hiding it from the kids is actually a really uh, damaging thing to do for everybody involved. This brings on more shame and blame, yeah. and, right? And it kind of intensifies the disease but yeah, I think it can stigmatize the disease to the children, right? Yeah. And to everyone involved, it kind of stigmatizes everything like, oh, this is something we keep a secret and this is something that we hide. You don't actually ever get to the root of the problem, right? Right. Healthy families communicate and that's how you heal is by being, and you don't have to, you know, wound a child by telling them things that are too adult for them, but shielding them from everything, I don't think prepares them. I think they need some degree of awareness. You know, I just had somebody telling me today she's got raising kids with someone who has an alcohol problem and she's hearing more details of how bad it is. So she said, if my kids are in his car, what do I do? Do I go to the police? And then it's kind of like something has to happen before something can happen. So right. what do I do? And I said, I think you just make them aware and you take steps to, you know, have code words they can text you if they're uncomfortable or things that they have one of them go into the house and maybe say, I need to use the restroom and call you and not be afraid of getting in trouble because safety matters more than them getting in trouble. Right. Things right. like that. So I think you just have to, as needed, apply truce. Right. I agree. And it can be done simply, you know, right. I'm sorry, but Uncle Joe is, he's struggling with some issues right now. He has, you know, he has a sickness and, uh, and so he has to leave the party or whatever it is, you know, but you're right. Simple terms, 
There are. There, right. You don't have to, you don't have to lay it out there and start saying things like, you know, oh, he's a drunk or, you know, or anything right. like that. Right. But I also agree with you in that their safety actually is the most important thing. So yeah, I, it is, you know, I think the woman, you know, your kid is getting in the car with this person and they're drinking or they're using some kind of a substance. Yeah. Get them out of the car. Maybe it is time to call the police. You know, right. I don't you know. You do something as needed intuitively right. and as the situation demands. Right. And as, as far as speaking of simple terms, I'd heard another mother recently say she has a seven-year-old daughter and then she has a 17-year-old son who is and has a substance problem. And the Christmas is just turmoil for them. Mm-hmm. And the seven-year-old daughter, you know, loves her brother. And she said, why do I have more gifts coming? And he only has one under the tree. And so she said, I just kind of tried to keep it light and said he was kind of naughty this year you know (laughs) and this is how we believe and you know I don't know how you want to work around it but it doesn't have to be some you know terrible hysterical situation just to roll with the punches and deal with it as best you can right it is what it is right but hiding and whispering and lying is not it I I don't know I don't I just don't think it's a good way to handle Anything, it wasn't really. in our family. It just kept everyone sick. You're only as sick as your secrets. Right. Me too. I, our yeah. family is the same. Right. I'd like to remind our listeners, there is a wealth of information about topics related to substance use disorder on alliesinrecovery.net. Allies in Recovery is a private, members-only site that connects families with each other and teaches strategies for helping your loved one while protecting yourself. That's alliesinrecovery.net. Now back to the topic. Another category is fear. We are afraid of how we're going to feel on those specific days, whatever your holiday is. And you have fear that things will be permanently hard or terrible or lonely. The fear is really, fear is at the root of every negative part of this. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, you know, that makes holidays hard. And then the last thing I had is loneliness. And loneliness and longing, those are some heavy ways to feel, whether you're grieving somebody who's not at your table this year of loss over death or they're in another state or they're in treatment or there's a conflict, there's a divorce, whatever it is, that loneliness and that longing, those are throbbing, heavy, hemorrhaging ways to feel. So I don't know if you have any other categories, but my next question is, how do we handle it? Well, I do actually have a couple of um, a couple of categories I was hoping we could kind of kind of go over and kind of talk a, a little bit about. And we touched on a little bit of expectations and and about you know what our expectations are about having the perfect holiday. And I put yeah. that in quotes. But also, I think managing expectations is one of the huge categories that you have to really think about. And what I mean by that is. Sometimes we have expectations of our loved ones, and and I tend to talk specifically about substance use disorder, but um, I'm sure this can be applied to other situations as well, but the person that's suffering with the disease has maybe, let's say they're not in active use, they've just come out of treatment and they want to come home for the holidays, we tend to think that they're going to come out of treatment and be cured, another thing I'm putting in quotes, because you're never really cured of this disease, but that their spirits are going to be happy and they're going to be jolly. And because you are, because they just went through treatment and they're starting to get the help that you need. So we have these expectations of them as well. And placing those expectations on them can only, or not only, but can exacerbate the problem and can actually make the problem worse than it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And being aware of things like, chances are they're not going to be all that joyous and jolly 
when they come home for the holidays. Chances are they're still in a really bad spot. Yeah. Right? Chances are they're probably still down and a little depressed. And Maybe, uncomfortable around people they're worried about their opinions. You right. know, what does this family member think if they know what's gone on in my life? Right. Or, you know, kind of like feeling like you're the odd guy out because you haven't been able to hold a job down. You don't yeah. have any money and you don't have any gifts to, to give anybody. I mean, gift giving can be a huge, you know, here you yeah. are with your pile of gifts, opening up your gifts, and you haven't been able to go out and buy them for the other people that are giving you a gift. You know, that, I mean, that. Those things are really, really big. Yeah, you don't, you don't think about it. And you think about it in terms of, oh, I don't care if they don't get me a gift. And you probably don't. I'm just happy that they're here with me. But that's yeah. not how they're feeling, right? right. They're, they're feeling uh, down and maybe a little depressed. And they just got into recovery. Let's say they're relatively new to getting into recovery. You know, their happiness, you know, they're, they're just trying to figure out the basic skills in life right now. Yeah. Right. That now we're asking them to come to a holiday function, maybe where there's a lot of people, a lot of relatives and a lot of people that are not happy with them. How do they manage that? They can't manage to, to get a job and hold a job. How can they manage everybody's negative feelings in the room? Or maybe not just unhappy with them. Uh, not everybody understands the condition of addiction and looks at it without shame or right. thinking it's a moral failing. And that person's just, they, a lot of people still look at it as right and wrong, bad or good. So right. there is no, you know, there is already tense, awkward feelings. Right. And then there's also the thought of what about, what about, I mean, you talk about this woman with her children. What about, let's say you're having holidays or you're going to visit another family member and you're bringing your loved one with you, but they don't want them there? Or what about keeping your children safe, right? Let's say you have other younger children and you don't want them around that. What do you yep. do? I mean, it, it's really, it really is a push and, and pull and a balancing act because what do you do if your loved one wants to come home? Let's say they're in treatment and they want to come home for the holidays. Do you let them? I mean, that's a lot of pressure on you. That's a lot of pressure on them. And it could go really, really wrong. And it could go really, really wrong. And adding that extra pressure on them when they do come home could actually backfire and make it ripe or a situation that they can't handle and they might end up relapsing. So what's the answers? So what's the answers? <laughs> right. Also, Another thing that I thought about, what about, I mean, you know, we just talked about someone who's either in like early recovery or someone that's just been in treatment, right? And you and I have talked about this topic. What about them coming to a house where, uh, let's say someone's an alcoholic. Right. And, or somebody's in treatment and they're sober and the family normally has wine on a holiday. What do you, right. how do you handle that? All of these how things. How do you handle are, that? Right. All, I think all of them are not only issues to think about, they are things to think about in advance and be prepared for so that you don't Absolutely. just go into autopilot and then you're ambushed and caught off guard or your loved one is ambushed and then everything explodes. Right. Absolutely. But also what about if you have someone who's in active addiction? Right. right. What do you do? Someone's an active addiction. Do you bring them along? Do you include them? Do you That's ask them? Tough. How do you ban them? Do you ban them? Because maybe if you ban them, that could backfire too. And that could put them in a, in a more desperate, isolate 
situation or isolate themselves even more, um, make them feel more shamed, right? And just yeah. drive them deeper into the disease. What else? These uh, are all tough things and people are realistically dealing with all of it. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. What, what do you think, Annie? What do you think about, what are some fixes? Because I have some ideas as well. When it comes to drinking, um, I'm not, I, I'm not a consistent drinker. Everyone, I'm not, you know, a teetotaler either. It just depends. I can go six years and have nothing. And then I can go a weekend and have beer for football games, you know? And so it just depends. But if I'm in a situation where I have somebody in recovery, I tend to, I, I know that it, their sobriety does not depend on me. However, being a respectful person, I want to make life possible for everybody. So if it's something I think they're going to struggle about, I'm just going to say, let's not make that a big part of our day. And a lot of times, you know, my son is sober and he will say, it doesn't bother me. People can drink around me. And he hates everyone else's tension that they feel like, oh, we can't drink, you know, and yeah. he really resents that or doesn't so much resent that he feels bad about it. So. Yeah. We just try to be respectful on both ends of it and right. do what, what you feel peace about. Right. And I feel, I feel the same way. Um, and we went through similar situations with our son. Our son is not, was not a big drinker. He doesn't really like alcohol all that much. So for him, many times when we were out, he would say, you know, you can order a glass of wine. You can order a beer. I feel bad. I don't want you to feel like you can't do that with us or with him rather. Um, but I also felt like, and I had to make it clear to him that, you know what, I don't want this glass of wine right now. Right. I don't want to do this. So I'm not doing it really for you. I kind of am doing it for myself. But I've also seen situations, and this is another thing. I think it's important to talk to them about it and ask them, are, yes, you, okay? are you okay with this or is this going to be hard for you? Because I don't want to make it harder for you. Because communication is what heals. So have right. those difficult situations so that right. you don't all of a sudden find yourself in a room full of elephants in the room that nobody's talking about. Or nobody's oh, talking. What do we do now? Right. What, we're in this situation now. It's better to think about it beforehand than versus right. when you're faced with it and then you have to hurry up and decide. And, and it doesn't mean that that person's always going to, like, let's say they ask you, oh, I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't drink when I was here, you know, and then, but it doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. You can keep talking about it, keep asking, Yeah. right? Also, I think the individual, it's important that the person in recovery have a plan when going into, like, these situations, whether it's going out to a restaurant, whether it's going over to visit your Auntie Sue for, you know, for a holiday party or whatever it is, but to have their own plan in place. And, and we as, uh, as family members, as parents, we can sit them down and talk to them about, well, do you have a plan? And what, and ask them, what's going to be most helpful to keep you in recovery? Yeah, what, what's going to make this easier I and less, do? what can I do to make it less stressful? Right. I'm not codependent to the situation to where I'm expecting an outcome. So I'm doing these things to try to con control it, but right. let, what, what will make it less stressful? What can what I do to be respectful? Right. right. And what signs, you know, are there any signs or anything you need to look out for? You know, do you have yeah. down? Do you have a plan? Right. Do you have your sponsor's number handy? Do you know where the, you know, some AA or NA meetings or smart recovery, or do you know where your, your local meditation studio is? Right. You know, I can give you a ride there if you want. Yeah. And have, um, have known meetings that they can maybe hit if they're in town or that you can maybe hit together right. and go to an open meeting. That's really a good idea. We, we do that. As far as having somebody, whether they're in active use or not, 
excluded. Geez, that's, I can't, I don't know how to speak on that. I, I have always had no problem putting no access boundaries in place when it comes to family or situations that are toxic. But my son changed the game for me when it comes to rules because that's a whole different thing. I've certainly had to put him out and turn him away and, and have walls up when things got bad, but I really don't have good advice for holidays because I always wanted him present. So I don't really know. I don't really have suggestions for how to handle that. Yeah. You know, I, I hear what you're saying and, and I've been kind of confused on that particular situation as well. I do have to tell you that I think if my loved one was in active addiction and they were wanting to come, let's say, for like Christmas or Thanksgiving. I'm just trying to think of what I would do. I have to tell you, I probably would shield the rest of my family and say, well, you can come over here and it'll be me, you, and your father or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard people suggest that as well. Or I'll take you to lunch to your favorite place or I'll bring something yeah. to you. It just depends right. on what their conditions are and where their right. mind is and how your relationship is. I think that is an as needed. Right. I agree with you. And I it, it depends. It really, really depends on the situation. And I think that for me, all roads had to lead to recovery. So yeah, even yeah. in that situation, it would be very, well, you know what? I really want to see you, but I also need to know that you're headed down a path of recovery. So, you know, maybe we could make some phone calls when we're together or, you know, yeah. something like that. That that was always my, but I never really, I was never really faced with that particular I wasn't problem. too much either. Yeah, I wasn't. I was but faced I, with gifts, what gifts to buy. And I heard somebody say recently, some of the best gifts to give are, um, are literature, like the big book yeah. or Naranon literature, Narcotics Anonymous literature, or hopeful literature of an, you yeah, know, a biography of somebody in addiction who yeah. recovered. Things like that are great yeah. gifts to give them. And, and also... I also was not afraid to say, or I, I don't think I ever had to say you can't come home for a holiday. The situation always presented itself on its own. Like maybe being in another state and we weren't going to fly him home. It, it just it just happened that way, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? That the decision was never put in our our plate. Right. I guess if that makes sense. I will but, say I did one over the top thing. It wasn't really a holiday, but I had a big graduation party planned for my son and a lot of rules were broken and I canceled it at the last second and didn't allow anybody to come. And I didn't feel like I canceled it or caused it. I felt like the situation had, that was when things were first starting. I really wasn't sure how to handle everything. Right. I was big into consequences and quote, not enabling. Right. So I thought there's no way I'm going to have, you know, tons of people show up and give gifts and money when I've got this struggle. You know, it's one of those things where I would always say, I get praises from, you know, your teacher in your school that you're so polite, but if I'm not seeing that at home, it doesn't make me feel good that other people think it. I need consistent behavior. So I didn't really want to expose anybody. We were in hardcore combat when that happened and right. I just canceled it. But you know what? I think that's, uh, personally, I, I think that that's, that's really good communication, right? <laughs> you communicate your expectations. Right. These are my, at least my behavioral expectations are this this and this and then I think you have to be totally prepared to follow through you if have to even if it's big yeah you if, if you make to. a big threat you have to follow through big right. you can't just say I'm going to take this or that away and not do it and because do then it. you're going to have a bigger monster to fight through next time right I believe that too I believe that too and I and I think it sounds to me like you just set up these 
these, um, you know, these boundaries. And that's it. Yeah, there was, I knew it had to be big consequences because he was stepping into adulthood too. I knew I had one final punch that I could give back to set standards that this is how your life is going to go if you don't abide by rules. Right. Well, and also I think the thing is, is that you can do that in a very quiet way, meaning not overreacting, right? Not getting all caught up in the chaos and in arguing. It's just, no, you didn't. I, I set down these expe- expectations. You didn't follow through. Here's the consequences. Yeah. And that's it. And that's it. Let them throw a temper tantrum. Let them flip. Oh, I, you hate me. I hate you. You know, right. you're sick. You're this, you're that, uh, whatever, you know. Um, but I totally agree with you. You have to follow through. You, you follow do. And th- that was one of the things that even though it felt terrible, he respected me for it. And he respected me in years to come for it. You know, my right. son was a lot bigger than me and he didn't push certain lines with me. He didn't get barrel chest me or, you know, too much, get real violent or loud in my face. He really, he knew how far he could push me before I brought a hard consequence home. Right. But I also think that I think that there are plenty of um, other people that go through the same type of situation and they do have a loved one that will really get in their face. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. And but still staying calm and holding holding steady. Nope, I'm not. Because to me, the my my watching something like that and my seeing something like that, actually my being in the middle of something like that, yeah. I've I've become very heightened aware I, aware that of this manipulation and yeah. that even the person that's doing the manipulating doesn't even realize they're doing that they're, they're trying to manipulate you. They're all just they getting want, by. Right. All they want is what they want and that's all they know. So they're going to do anything and everything they can to get what they want. That's it. And yeah. Nope, and you I'm know, it is manipulation. I'd heard a mom the other day say that um, about six years ago, she, the week after Thanksgiving, she was facing this circumstance where if her son, he was a college student, if he um, on scholarship and if he, she had told him, if you fail a drug test, you can't stay in the house. And it was between Thanksgiving and Christmas and he failed it. And she said, we had to follow through and drop him off at a home yeah. shelter. And she said, I thought my life was over. I mean, it still makes me like I feel her pain just doing that. And knowing he went homeless and she said, you know, we're around that corner. But when I was in it, it was torment. And then to face those holidays. But she said he he ended up, you know, going to a friend's house. I don't know that he ever missed a meal. You know, he knew how to take care of himself eventually and things worked out around the corner. But there are those times that even holiday related, if you have to say because you are destructive or violent, or damaging or stealing, whatever your your big consequences, is, you have to do un- it. Unacceptable, right. right. Yeah, you do. You do. Hey, Annie, while I'm thinking about it, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor, Allies in Recovery. Since 2002, Allies has been helping families cope with the substance use of a loved one. Join Allies in Recovery today and you will have access to a wealth of information, strategies, and a community to help you navigate the minefields of addiction. That's alliesinrecovery.net. So as you were saying, and, and I think a lot of people get afraid of things like calling the police, like your example with that woman and do I call the police? Well, you know what? Those are natural consequences. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you do. If they're stealing from you, you know, like that, then, yeah. Or if you knew some a, a couple of kids were getting in a car with a stranger that you knew was intoxicated, right. you wouldn't hesitate. Right. 
Exactly. You you have to look at things like that. Right. So that applies to all of that. Um, And those are tough questions. And I think get counsel, go to support groups, meditate, pray, sit and think on them before you make those decisions. Don't let anybody else guilt you into making those decisions. Oh, you should do the hardest thing possible because you have to go to sleep and live with those consequences. That's right. Take them to bed at night. Do what you feel is right when you are ready. Maybe you're not there yet. It's, uh, It's totally, there is no right or wrong. There's just do what you feel at peace with and then do the next best thing and make peace with the consequences. Right. And always have a plan. Like I always, um, my, my son, when we would go to like holiday parties or family parties, there was a particular, uh, a couple of his cousins that liked to really, really pick on him when he was young mm-hmm. and he was not able to handle it. So we sat down with him and talked with him and said, okay, we're going to go to this party, but if it gets out of hand and you can't handle it and you're getting really upset, you come, you just say, hey, we got to go. And we go. Yeah. And or text a code a word. Right. Or have, my son right. and I it's used to have. It's not a bad deal. It no isn't. Leave. Right. We and used to have like a code word we'd say to each other that just meant, okay, I've had enough. We got to go. Right. And so, and I think if someone's in early recovery and they're trying to avoid relapse and they yeah. go somewhere, they should know in their head if things get tough. I'm going to go. I'm going to just head home. I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to go home. And I think as a, as a supporting loved one, as I'll go with him. Okay. You know, I, I don't have to stay all night long. I don't have to be partying all night long. I'll go home with him. And I know that that also can be a, a bit of a burden because it's kind of like uh, what we were talking about. Like if you go out to a restaurant, you don't, you want to order a drink or you don't want to order a drink and your loved one is like, well, I don't want you to not drink because of me, you know, cause I've, I've experienced this with my son as well, where it's like, no, I don't want to leave the party because of me. I don't want you to have to leave the party yeah. because of me. You know, that's kind of like a burden placed on him. But, but we sat down and talked and, and just said, you know what, actually, it's not a burden. It's not a burden. And, and I'm okay time-wise, right? If we go in there and we've stayed for an hour or something like that, and it's getting to be too much, okay, let's go. Yeah, that's it. That was what a counselor right. had said to me one time is that he goes by, he believes in the three hour rule when it comes to family and that you don't have to put yourself through more than three hours. If that, I was like some situations that's long, you know, but he said he really just sticks to that. And he was saying, if you think about it, you take all these people that maybe grew up in the same household together or not, and they get along or don't because families can have, have volatility Mm -hmm. and you gather 16 or so for hours and hours and hours. And you expect everyone to get along and be comfortable and be normal and at ease that's insanity right that's too high of an expectation right that's a ridiculous expectation that is so one of the things that I had uh, that I do in how do we handle the holidays is I have a rule that I will be my own advocate and that means my own bodyguard if I have to be I'm really aware if I feel my pulse or my adrenaline if I feel tense in situations because I'm around somebody moody or uncomfortable, um, if I feel my heart sink or my energy shrink, things like that, I really give myself an out and I don't feel guilty about it if I'm, you know, no longer comfortable in a situation because not all family gets along. Right. So I really I, just take I, care of myself. I tell you, I, I do the same, Annie, and it took me a long time actually yeah, to get there. It does. It, it did, right? It, it really, I used to love to go and just sit and talk, and but then I would find that um, I would become uncomfortable, kind of like what you talked about yep. um, when you when you talked about having this big family 
right? And I had all extended cousins. We lived next door to one another, and my other aunt and her kids lived about a mile away. And so we were with each other 24 hours a day, and then we would get together during the holidays and all be stuck in this room. How could we possibly all get get along? We're not going to. It's, it's just not, not it's not human nature. It's just not it's possible. Not realistic. I mean it's it's not saying that you can't be civil, but sometimes it's right. just it's just not possible. It's right. uncomfortable and awkward. Right. And it's not and selfish you know to look out for yourself. It's right. not it's, it's not, healthy. It's not. And I'm okay with them doing it to me too. I'm yeah. okay. You know, Bye. I don't know if you experience this, but I have I know what my triggers are. I'm very familiar. I'm I'm further along in this process enough to know myself well. And one of the things is that I have a couple of family members that they are just going to be a part of my life and I'm going to encounter them, couple or close, that have a moodiness issue. Well, I can't do anything about that. I'm not about to take their inventory or try to fix them. But what it does to me is I'll start catching myself unconsciously kind of flustered and I don't want to do or say the wrong thing because I don't want to get snapped at and I don't want to get snapped at in front of people. And I, you know what I mean? So I'll start catching myself and then I have to stop myself and then I go in immediately to irritated that they caused it or that they're moody and they don't have to be because they should be grateful. You know, all of that. So I yeah. veer to the other side of it. And then I know I've learned a trick to go into a bathroom or a hallway and do deep breathing for two or three minutes and then revisit it. Right. Because I just, it'll send me cycling, that type of moodiness where there's emotions or energy. And I just studied that. You can walk into a room and know the, the mood of a room. And if somebody's I, giving off vibes, that does something to me. I'm affected by that. Yeah. And I, ha- I have to say, I, I escape. I get out. I, I just, I got to go. Bye. Yes. That right. was one thing oh, I'd ask Dr. Dominique. Yeah, I'd ask her advice last year at Christmas. What if I'm walking into a setting where maybe people don't like me or maybe I don't like them, but we have some of the same involvements or maybe I've had bad experiences with this family member. And she said, just know your reactivity and give yourself an out. Take your own car. Yeah. Listen to yourself. You don't have to over explain if you leave or leave early or, you know, whatever the case may be. Look out for yourself. Right, right. I agree. Um, I wanted to say also one thing that helps is to move through it moment by moment. And that's whether you're around difficult family or I have spent a couple of um, Christmases alone, my son being out of state and just having family animosity. And this is in the past, but I know what it's like to have not even put up a Christmas tree and that day is silent. And I have to say, I had to fill the time so that I wouldn't sit and feel sorry for myself and depressed. I moved through it moment by moment and I came up with productive things to do, start a gratitude journal. I started a new workout or whatever. Sometimes you have to do the next right thing for the next 10 minutes over and over until you're through the day. I think that's one way to just move through it moment by moment. Keep it flowing and fluid. And the other thing I have is don't lose heart. Things can always change. There's a saying that um, I just heard recently. It's like a like a proverb quote or something, nothing happens and then nothing happens and nothing happens and then everything happens. And that's true for chaos as much as it is for breakthrough. And as much as I've had those lonely holidays, I've also had conflict holidays where it just exploded around a table. I've also have, you know, my son's with me this year for Christmas and everything feels brand new. Every ornament, every hot chocolate, we're driving to see lights. I mean, we are just corny about it all, but I know that things can change. This too shall pass. That's right. When it's good, be grateful and cherish it. But when it's bad... Don't just get stuck in right now, this is how it is. Know that next year can be better. And this year's good, but next year could be worse. I, and I have to tell you that I've had some 
holidays that I've been alone as well. And I don't think, I, I, you know, it's interesting because I kind of found it to be peaceful right. and I kind of enjoyed it in some way. I thought, yes. I thought going into it that I was going to feel very lonely. And I guess I had some loneliness about it, but, but I also felt like, Oh, this is kind of nice. This isn't as bad as I expected it to be. And it's not as bad as if I'm in an uncomfortable, toxic situation either. Right. And it could be a lot worse. So, so let's say, you know, your, um, your loved ones uh, in a treatment facility and they can't get back home. Right. Right. It's better that they're stuck there. It could be a lot worse. It could right, always. If that makes sense. You know, and I've had people missing from holidays because they've died and they've died suddenly right. or because of divorce or friendships that end. I've had one holiday with a table full of people and the next year, not any of them were in my life. Right. Families, family relationships dissolved or toxic. I've been on that roller coaster all my life until about the past 10 years doing the work. I know what it's like on both sides of it and you can survive it. Right. You can. You can. And if this year is not great, it can be better next year. And if this right. year is great, enjoy it because you never know what's around the corner. Right. I agree. And that's, that's pretty much all I got. Me too. <laughs> all right. Well, whatever your holiday is that you're celebrating, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. If you're not celebrating, have a wonderful rest of December and we will see you all soon. Keep on coming up for air. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this Coming Up for Air podcast with Annie Highwater and Lori McDougall. If you're interested in reading Annie's book, Unhooked, A Mother's Story of Unhitching from the Roller Coaster of Her Son's Addiction, it's available online, or you can simply follow the link at the bottom of one of Annie's blog posts on alliesinrecovery.net. Coming Up for Air is sponsored by Allies in Recovery, the online home for families facing the addiction of a loved one. Allies in Recovery can help you understand your loved one's struggle and offers effective communication strategies that encourage treatment and discourage use. In addition to interactive e-learning, Allies in Recovery offers expert advice, podcasts, tools for evaluating treatment options, recent news items, and access to a large community of families coping with issues similar to yours. Join alliesinrecovery.net today. That's alliesinrecovery, all one word, dot net. Thank you for listening. Our theme music was performed and composed by cellist Eric Corey.